if you like betting on golf. But everyone that you back misses the cut, get some experts involved. With all the stats and the tips and so much more, cause it's the golf betting system, the golf betting system, it's the golf betting system. Greetings and welcome to the Golf Bank System Podcast 171. This is our 2021 Travellers Championship and BMW International Open Tips and Selections Pod. Paul Williams and Barry O'Hanrahan join me, Steve Bamford, to discuss this week's PGA and European Tour golf action. Good morning, gents. Morning, guys. Morning, guys. This podcast is for listeners of 18 and above. Please be gamble aware. You can visit begambleaware.org for more information and, of course, please bet responsibly. Visit our world-famous golf betting system website with our in-depth betting previews, masses of tournament statistics, and our predictor models, all available, completely free of charge with no paywall. Please subscribe to this podcast and drive the popularity of the show. We're available on Twitter. Barry is at a good talk golf. Barry, are you now at the 2,000 follower mark, or are you still slightly behind? I think we're very close. Oh, we've one left. One more to go. <gasps> what, 1999? Yep. Follow Barry, will you? <laughs> Did, Paul, is that golf betting? The charity yeah. follow. <laughs> no, it's not a charity follow at all. At golf betting, that's Paul. I'm at Bamford Golf. You can join our golf betting system Facebook group. The link is available in the description box. Plus, look out for the Steve Bamford Golf YouTube channel where I present the golf betting show every week. Please subscribe. And like the shows. That's the point. We do all of this for free. So we need you guys to support us. We need likes and subscribes on YouTube. We also need, of course, five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts as ever. For those of you who leave a review, I will read them out at the start of a future show. Leave your name and where you are in the review. We have one here. Uh, this gent, or lady could be, hasn't uh, left their name in the, uh, or where they are in the review, but it's the Seals Calling. They are in the United States of America. And it is titled, Getting Ched Five Stars If You if you Enjoy Watching Betting on Golf and Making Ched, C-H-E-D, Ched, is that cash? Got to be cash, isn't it? Ched. I've never heard of that word in my life. <laughs> These guys are a must-listen. So much good info and factual information. You're bound to make some dough. Enjoy exclamation mark. And that is from The Sea Is Calling in the US of A. Ched. I wonder if it's cheddar cheese money. Must be. Could be. Is that like gangster street talk? I, I mean, over here, what would, we, what would we call them? Dollars, cash, but what else have we got? Wedge. Yeah. Making some wedge. We we didn't make any wedge this week, though, did we, guys, on John Rahm? Congratulations to those of you who were on the favourite John Rahm. Great, uh, great US Open, I thought. I hate West Coast majors just because of the time difference, but... Um, I have to say, the USGA, I thought, did a magnificent job. Um, in, in, manufa- of- in manufacturing a Sunday leaderboard. <laughs> well, yeah, they did, yes. I just thought it was a very fair US Open. 
I just, uh, it, you know, the leaderboard was absolutely fantastic come Sunday. Um, but just, you know, the fact, I think the course was difficult enough. It wasn't unfair. It wasn't crazy. I just thought it was a decent setup. In fact, I think the USGA, since well, you go back 2019 Pebble, I think all three of the US Opens in terms of course setup have been just about spot on. Just firm enough, just releasing enough to make it a real challenge, mm. and enough and enough rough to um, enough rough to make it clearly penal and challenging. I don't think um, <clears throat> it's not very exciting know. though. Well, no, but maybe that's the US Open. Yeah, I know. I think they're missing. No, we're, a tr- we're all grinding for pars, Barry. Yeah, I know, but I think they're missing a trick. I mean, they had one or two shaved banks and runoffs that made it interesting. Uh, when the ball missed those greens, but and I couldn't tell you on which holes they are because all the holes look the same there. <laughs> but it's there's other balls screaming through the green or just missing the green instead of like running 15, 20 yards away down yeah. the slope or into the canyon, which is an actually yeah. really cool feature they have that they barely use. Um, the ball just stops two foot off the green, you know, so yeah. you just end up with this very um singular style of golf or short game that's required you know it's very lack vanilla very it's very it is very vanilla and bland and kind of plain and there's no real variety of sorts required around the greens which is it's kind of boring you know but anyway look it is what it is and you know i don't know whether you can say that they absolutely nailed the setup because of the way the tournament turned out on sunday and look sunday was brilliant whatever way they got there um, you know, they did an amazing leaderboard, and the first three days that were kind of boring. Um, and then Sunday was fantastic to watch. Like, I think what I think what the USGA have done is create a very one-dimensional tournament. Here's driving yeah. distance, all drives right now. Yeah, this is the rank as we see it post US Open. Deschambeau at one, McElroy at two, Kepka at five, DJ at six, Wolf at seven. Ram at nine. <laughs> it's just yeah. Oh, sorry, Xander at eleven. Yeah. So like that. It, it is. It is very one dimensional. You know, it's, it's all just, about hitting it as far as you can and then scrambling out that rough, isn't it? Yeah. Are you this type of golfer? If so, you have a chance. If not, of winning a U.S. Open. Yeah. Mm, very much so. It, Sunday was amazing, though. I mean, you could not have asked for a better leaderboard of big names. Yeah, yeah, and a lots of lot of twists and turns as well. And um, I, was, I was reading Steve Rawlins' piece um, in relation to, uh, to to how the um, exchange fluctuated during the course of the final round. And uh, John Rahm hit nearly sixty at one point when uh, when they thought his ball was out of bounds. And uh, oh yeah, you know, found the ball, and uh, you know, the, the rest is history. But uh, you know, to get to get someone to get the eventual winner. Um, trading at that kind of price midway through the round on a Sunday is, um, shows you how much, uh, how many twists and turns there were during the course of that uh, that final eighteen holes. You'd have been quite a brave person to launch a bit of money on that sixties <laughs> yeah. when it was virtually certain he was out of bounds. Absolutely, yeah. from the pictures we were getting, anyway. Mm. So that was a lucky break. You need those little things to go for you when you're, you when do, you're trying yeah. to win, on a, especially on a Sunday when it. Like it seemed like one bogey was the end of your chances on Sunday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you couple that up with a couple of uh, really good under pressure clutch putts at the end, it's uh, mm. game over. 
Poor old Louis, though. That's what that's six uh, runner-up finishes now at the majors for for Louis. It's it's just it's it's just sore to watch him watch those things happen to him these days. You know, will it ever happen Mm. to get that second major? Yeah, yeah, it was being chopped in uh, dramatically for the for the Open as you'd expect, but um, yeah. It, 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 a brave, brave face and a brave smile, but inside it's got to hurt, isn't it? Mm. For that each way, for that each way stuff bet, he's a great bet, though, isn't he? That was my biggest regret, actually, not actually banging him in rather than someone like Tony Feeney. Yeah, yeah. fifty to one, he's backable, isn't he? Well, he, was oh, he, well yeah, he's, he's going to get you the place, isn't he? Top ten, eight places, ten places. We we were silly with the Feeney shout because there were there were a few. A few Distress things, signals. a few, few. That's a good way to put it. Yeah, just with the game, and I mean, I suppose there's just that trust that he's done it so many times in majors, um, in terms of getting up there and in contention. We kind of just ignored the the distress signals, as you say, and just blindly backed him. And then the other distress signals in the opposite direction for Ram, which I completely ignored. I had him like in mind for the U.S. Open for weeks, and then with the COVID and the price just being so short, like. For having never won a major, he's favourite. I'm thinking, God, can he can he really do it? And uh, it turns out, yeah, he did, <laughs> and did it very well too. So that's golf betting, right? Absolutely. Few few good eye catchers though. Fantastic effort from uh, Guido Migliozzi for the uh, for the week to finish in a tie for fourth on his uh, on his first major championship mm. start as well. Um, he Have was. The top, top, top effort. Brandon Grace was good as well. T to green first for strokes gained. Yeah. T to green last week as well was a an eye catching stat after the uh, after South the African golf at the moment. This is flying, isn't it? Absolutely flying, South African golf. We've got Louis challenging in every major. You've got Garrick Higo that's had like a rise like Lazarus in the last six weeks. Throw in Brandon Grace, winner in Puerto Rico, and he's you know contending in consecutive majors. Charles Charles um, shown some sparks recently as well. Mm. I'm sure there's a few I've missed. You know who, who was the guy that won on the European Tour a, couple, a few weeks ago? Will well, hitting you, guy. The, well, you've also got um, uh, Christian Bezuidenu, haven't you? Yeah, Bezuidenu keeps getting in the mix. Yeah, and again, it, yeah, it drifted again a bit. So. You had Van Tonda. Um, you had another winner on the European Tour as well. I can't remember. They're just flying. Wilco Nienaber just pounding yeah. golf balls like 380. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Watch out, Bryson. You've got competition, son. I'd love to see them paired together, like Bryson huffing and puffing to try pound the <laughs> ball out there and Wilco just yawning as he cruises one out there past him like, I think it was a decent enough major. I, I, I don't think the US opens everyone's cup of tea, especially on the West Coast when you're over here in the UK and Ireland. But, um, you know, you cannot argue with such a high-quality leaderboard. Um, do you think they'll pair Bryson and uh, Kepka up at uh, the Travellers this week? It's an, it's an obvious call, isn't it? I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. I don't think they do. Because you don't think the PGA Tour will let them? I don't know. They seem to just, like, steer away from this any controversy it's <coughs> it's I don't know and it, I think if if they do pair them together and in the Thursday Friday then the rest of the tournament just becomes a sideshow to that and maybe that's not mm-hmm. what the BJ Tour want if they I if, def- the, if yeah. they 
if they come together on the weekend, then yeah, you, you got to embrace it and go nuts with it. But it builds and builds, doesn't it? I think if they let it run, it's natural course, and they will meet um, naturally as part of the uh, you know from their positions on the leaderboard um, in the near enough future. I'm sure it's going to happen, well, isn't it? Well, unless it happens at the Open Championship, there's no hope because Kepka doesn't bother when it's not a major. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. Fair point. He was tempting this week, actually, but you just sit there and go, well, just, he's just going to not bother, I expect. Mm. Um, okay, we've got a packed show. So let's talk. The European Tour returns this week. The A decent, well-established tournament, the BMW International Open. Do you want to take it away, Paul? Mm. Yeah, it is. Yeah, as you say, it's been around for a while. The BMW International Open, um, back in Munich this year, um, after, after last year's event was cancelled. It's at the Golf Club München Eichenried, um, which could be an absolute uh, butchering of the uh, pronunciation there, but we'll go with that. Um, bear in mind, if you're looking at the stats on the site this week, it does hop about. It was played on a different track in Cologne in 2012, 2014, 2016 and 2018. So when you're checking the stats, do make sure that you're looking at the right years. But the last time we came here was 2019 and it was on this track here in Munich. Um, yeah, and, and as ever, you've got this kind of post-major dilemma. Haven't you? You've got 10 players coming over from Torrey Pines. Louis Oosthausen, who has arrived in Germany, I've seen this morning. Um, he finished second, as we've just discussed. Sergio finished 19th. Martin Keimer, 26th. Eduardo Molinari, 35th. Decent effort from Eduardo. He's shown some decent, uh, decent form recently. Um, Wade Ormsby was 40th and a few more missed cuts and then you had um, Victor Hovland who withdrew uh, with that eye issue after the first round and a bit last week in uh, South California and um, we've got some previous though I mean just, just ignoring the guys that come back directly from a major is not the right thing to do particularly for this event because we've got some previous with the likes of Ernie Els and Henrik, Henrik Stenson both of them have won this event immediately after competing or even contending in the case of L's at the US Open so um, just disregarding the guys that are coming back uh, in particular the likes of Louis and Sergio because they um, have, have travelled straight over probably the wrong thing to do the market's taken that into account because um, Victor Hovland who did withdraw as I said last week um, 13-2 to favourite uh, Louis Eusthausen 7-1 to Sergio Garcia 12-1 to so they're the top three quite clear in the betting this week. Then you've got the likes of Bernd Wiesberger, 22s, uh, Matthias Schwab, 25, Antoine Rosner, 28s, Martin Keimer, who's won here on this track, 28s, uh, Sam Horsfield, 30s, Thomas Peters, 33s, 40 to 1, bar that top uh, eight or nine players I've just read through there. And worth bearing in mind this week, Labrooks are going eight places each way, a fifth of the odds. They're a standout bookie for for this week over in Germany. I think they're going eight on your events, Steve, are, as well. Yeah. There are eight on both. So that's six additional each-way places across both events. Combine them. Yeah, yeah it's good. They've been quite aggressive. Um, if you haven't got an account, then um, there's uh, there's links to their new account offer on our website. They give you four £5 or €5 Euro free bets when you bet £5 um, win or £5 each way. Um, so you can have four fivers to use on the golf. Um, T's and C's apply, of course, Check out the full terms, conditions, and the site. But uh, eight each way is a, a decent effort in a run-of-the-mill European tour event. 
this year. Now onto the course then, the Golf Club at Munchen I can read. It's a 7,283 yard par 72. Uh, opened 1989. They did have a renovation back in 2019 where all of the greens were relayed with fresh bent grass. It kind of got a bit tired. The bent that was there originally had been uh, allowed to, uh, to to have Parana uh, kind of run into it, and it was looking a bit cut, a bit tired and. Uh, needed a need a bit of a spruce up, so they did that in 2019. The bent grass greens two years further on should have bedded in quite nicely by now, so they should be decent quality this week. We've got four mid-range par fives and a couple of short par fours. Um, really, you can look at it kind of 15 under around here as an absolute minimum. In the softer years, it can get to kind of 22 under that kind of number to win around here, so it's very scorable. And looking at the forecast, it should be soft this week. There's a lot of thunder in the forecast and the, the days leading up. So yesterday and today, um, and also through the course of the event, there could well be some stoppages, to be fair. Um, very little wind in the forecast as well. We're looking at maybe five or ten miles an hour. So I'm expecting the upper end of the scoring this week in terms of kind of getting towards 20 under. That kind of number is probably going to be the requirement to win here this week. Uh, going back to previous winners, and as I say, um, it does hop about. So the even years I've excluded from this, which were held over in Köln or Cologne. Um, 2010, David Horsey, 150 to 1. 2011 was uh, uh, Pablo Larathabel, I forgot his first name there, 45 to 1. Um, Ernie Els in 2013, uh, 22 to 1. Larathabel again in 2015 at 60 to 1. Uh, then it was Andres Romero, 300 to 1 back in 2017. Good luck or well done if you managed to pick out Andres Romero that week. 2019, Andrea Pavan was 100 to 1 um, before his form has completely fallen off every kind of cliff since. And that was the last time he came, 2019. So, um, if you look through, it's a, it's a difficult one to try and assess because a, a number of different styles and approaches have won here. Um, I don't think there's a specific blueprint that you can really put on this. Um, different players have putted their way around or um, dri driven the way around or have uh, kind of uh, scrambled the way around to success here. The only real uh, point that sticks out quite, uh, quite consistently is bogey avoidance. Um, Pavan only made four bogeys during the course of the week and if you look through the previous winners there and even going back to um, older events as well um, minimising the number of bogeys on your card is just as important as making the birdies here that you need for for success um, in, a, in a year like this year where I think it's going to be relatively low scoring um, I think you're going to need maybe 25 birdies in that kind of bracket and you know, if you can get away with three, four, five bogeys during the course of the week that's the kind of metric that's going to get you in the mix I think. Uh, in terms of incoming form again it's a mixed bag. Um, if you go back up to kind of 28, 2008 through to 2013 each of the winners here had got a top 10 in the last four finishes so at that point you could kind of infer that decent incoming form was the key and then you've got the likes of Larathabel in, uh, in 2015 who came in off very little form Andres Romero had missed every cut that year before winning here at 300 to 1. So um, you were never going to pluck him out based on current form. Um, even Pavan, last time out, um, he had one top 20 in his previous 12 starts. So it was hardly sparkling. There were some consistent results there, some top 30s, but um, really not nothing to, to scream about. And he was 100 to 1 when he won. So 
Um, yeah, mixed form or, or, or in, incoming form, I'd take with a pinch of salt. Coarse form, I'd take with a pinch of salt too. Um, Romero did have a couple of top 30s here. Pavan had missed his cut in his only star. But then you've got the likes of Rathabell, who'd got a couple of wins. David Horsey came in one on debut. So, again, you know, if you're looking at the old traditional combination of uh, incoming form and course form, then it could throw you way off the scent or, or not. So it's a, a tough one to try and work out. I, for me, ultimately, it's going to be low scoring. It is quite likely going to be um, impacted by some delays at various points with the uh, with, with thunder showers expected. Um, the only, I guess, the only thing that you can consider is that unless the European Tour throws some kind of curveball in, we find that there's six inch rough out there. But I don't think so. I think we're gonna gonna see something that's quite um, quite consistent with previous years. Um, fingers crossed. Anyway, um, I've gone with four. Uh, I've well, I looked at the top of the market, I and mean, it'd be remiss not to to look at the likes of Hovland and. Um, Oosthausen and Sergio and I guess if you push me uh, I'd probably uh, on the side of Sergio over the other two um, Louis coming in again from the disappoint, <coughs> disappointment of not uh, not converting another major championship and even in weaker companies not the not the arch closer that you might need I suppose um, Hovland's eye probably just uh, just Something that they were keeping an eye on, probably just a precaution to to make sure it didn't get any worse. I suspect he's fine if he tees Apparently, it he was back out on the range on Saturday, so he might have just scratched it a bit. Or... Yeah, it, was, it, it, it sounded like that, didn't it? You know, and I suspect the doctors wouldn't take any chances with it, but um, I'm sure it's... Uh, when was the last time Sergio played this, Paul? He does play it quite regularly. Um, again, I, I think he's yeah, it's it's he's only missed one of maybe the last eight or ten. So it's a regular stop for him. Um, he's got a couple of top. Oh, he's got a couple of runner-up finishes. One of them was a playoff defeat. So he can clearly play the track. And um, I, Sergio, I just still can't trust his putting personally. And if you want to take a chance on him at twelve to one, that's fine. And um, if my assertion's right, and you're going to need to make twenty-five birdies this week, is he going to see the ball? You know, in the bottom of the cup, twenty-five times from birdie chances. Not for me. I can't. I, I can. I can take that on. I must say. Um, the one I've gone for near the top is Bernd Wiesberger. Now he did miss the cut last week over in um, at Torrey Pines. But if you look back, he'd missed the cut at the USPGA last month or, or a few weeks back. He then went and won by five in Denmark, twenty-one under the next week. He made twenty-six birdies and an eagle that week. So he clearly bounced back very, very quickly and readily um, and a different style of track and one that he felt far more comfortable on. If you go back a little bit further, 43rd in Il- uh, at Augusta back in 2017 and he then won at Shenzhen on his next start over in China. So a couple of examples of where he's come immediately from a major and, and won on the European Tour in lower company very, very quickly. Um, he's also won three events in fairly quick succession in the past. So... And that was back in 2019. He could do, you know, quickly notch up a second um, season's win here, I'd have thought. He's got some motivation too. 54 from the world at the moment. So that top 50 is always there as a target for players, even through the course of the year. 12 from the Ryder Cup standing. So Guido Migliozzi uh, leapfrogged him this week with his performance over at Torrey. Um, so he's down to 12th, but um, he'll fancy his chances, particularly if he can get another win or two over the course of this season. Well, 
That's the point, isn't it? I mean, Ram McElroy, Casey Hatton, Fitzpatrick, Fleetwood, Hovland and Westwood. They're in, effectively, aren't they? You've got Victor Perez hanging there on a kind of shoestring in ninth on the last auto place. Now, if he does, if, if Perez isn't in an auto spot, he won't get a pick, in my opinion. No. You've then got, you've got Lowry, who I think will get a pick. But then you've got this huge kind of scrum, scramble, haven't you, with Sergio in there. You've got Guido now in there. You've got Wiesberger in there. <coughs> you know, it, it, I'm sure he'll want to take Rose. He'll probably want to take McIntyre and Garcia. But at the moment, and, the, and, and then you've got the postman in there as well. There's a lot of players that Padre's going to make some rather difficult decisions over. But that, that Victor Perez spot is up for grabs. Yeah, and there's Lowry there, Migliozzi there, Wiesberger there, they're all, McIntyre, they're all within touching distance. He, and Garcia, if he went well this week. Yeah, I think, I, I'd think i put uh, Perez in the same bracket as uh, Wiesberger, as you described, in that um, he won't get a pick, I don't think, Wiesberger. No, of course I, not. I think, I think he needs no. to get himself in there automatically. Yeah. And I suspect he knows that. So um, the fact that he needs to go all out and, and win at least once more, and, and as I say, he did it in 2019, he won three and relatively quick order um, then uh, there's got to be some good motivation there for him to, to keep his foot to the floor there's some good form as well there's some good stats he was 10th for putting average last time he played here on the relay Bengrass screens he does like Bengrass screens that's that's evident from his results in the past and um, his strokes going tee to green and strokes going approach was absolutely bang on in Denmark when he won and that's you know, if you combine all that together then he's going to go, potentially go well here Um Six starts here, never missed the cut. Best of fourth, and closed with a sixty-five last time he finished. Last time he played here, that was his best uh, personal best effort, first personal best round around these parts. So um, some good course form, some good incoming form, um, and some good motivation, I think, to to overcome last week's disappointment and uh, put that behind him. So twenty-two to one for Beesberger, I've put at the very top. I've also backed John Catlin. And back to the well for Catlin. He's one of these players. He just doesn't seem to be getting the respect that he deserves on the markets. Uh, another recent winner like Wiesberger. Three European Tour wins now. That's seven um, total wins globally in his last 75 starts. That's a very strong conversion rate, whichever grade of golf you're playing. And um, those wins have come from, well, between two over and 22 under. So there's a lot of diversity there. I, and the European Tour has tended to be one that has favoured on the uh, the easier tracks, but he has won at 22 under. He also, when he played Tenerife, which was another one of these low scoring affairs a few weeks back, he finished fifth. Um, he opened with a 63 that day or that, that week. Um, as I say, ended up finishing fifth a couple of weeks after his previous win. So he clearly can go low. Um, he's kind of tenacious. We've seen it tenacious and a. Uh, um, kind of stoical approach to golf that may come into play if it is a bit more of a stop start affair which I suspect it could well be so that may well help him to uh, to keep his head level if they are going in and out of the course or on and off of the course during the course of the week we shall see he's played here once he was 44th back in 2019 still finding his feet on the European Tour back in that uh, back at that time uh, he shot a second round 66. That was one, one of the better rounds or one of the best rounds of the day. And I can see a big improvement from Catlin. 70 to 1 shows a lack of respect, in my view, for a player who's won so so readily when he's been asked over, over on this kind of level over the last few months. 
At, at the same price, I've also backed Pablo Larathabel, 70 to 1. Uh, and I guess if you're going to see some kind of Spanish bounce from John Rahm's win last, last week, then, then Pablo would be a good candidate to be the man to do that. Uh, I, I, I dug out a quote from a number of years back where he said that if he could bet on John Rahm winning 10 or more majors, he absolutely would. He was adamant at the time that Rahm was going to go ahead and, uh, and dominate the majors over the course of his career. Um, up to further, he's number one in the world now, which uh, is, a, is a pretty uh, pretty solid effort in that respect. Um, perhaps that first win from Rahm will inspire Pablo to to get himself back into winning form himself. And he's got two wins on this track, so if there's a if there's going to be a venue where Pablo is going to excel, and this is the track, I think. His recent form has been a little bit erratic, but there's something there, I think. Four missed cuts from his last six starts. Um, but that's probably overall slightly better than when he won here in 2015. And within that, he finished 12th in Tenerife, where he closed with a 64. Uh, 19th in Denmark, where he was the joint first round leader with a 66. And in Denmark, he produced the best iron performance of his year so far. Um, been scrambling really well, so bogey minimisation should be good if he can continue that. And uh, the positive vibes of returning to this track. Uh, could see him go well, I think. So Larratha Bell's in as well. And finally, I've gone for Dale Whitnell, the Englishman, 150 to 1. And we've seen the likes of uh, Bland, Armitage, uh, Caldwell uh, from Northern Ireland all win in recent weeks. And if you're looking for a name that could be added to that list quite readily, then Dale Whitnell could be with, could be the kind of logical addition, I think. Um been around for a while. It's not a name that's been gracing the leaderboards over here in the European Tour for some time, but uh, uh, he started back in that 2009 Walker, Walker Cup team alongside Tommy Fleetwood. And I think it was the, people thought that he was going to really progress quite quickly from there. He was fourth on his third European start, Tour start at Leopard Creek back on the old bent grass greens there back in the day. Uh, but never really pushed on until uh, more recently. We saw after lockdown, fourth at the British Masters, sixth in Cyprus. Um, 108th in the uh, the race to Dubai right now. So um, as that starts to get uh, more critical over the next few months, he's going to need to improve that position or at least maintain it to, to, to give himself a chance of uh, not having to go back to Q school at the end of the year. Um, 21st in the British Masters recently, 19th in Denmark, 11th at the Porsche European Open, his first German start um, a few weeks back. Um, there were positive recent efforts. Uh, Mr. Cutney's last start, the Scandinavian mix, but um, I'm not concerned with that. Uh, I think that his game, 12th for bogey avoidance for the season, 23rd for greens in regulation, um, is ideal for this track. And uh, I could see him running into a place at 150 to 1. So, yeah, Whitnell, 150s, Pablo Larathabel, 70 to 1, John Catlin, the same price, 70 to 1. And at the top of the market, Bernd Biesberger, 22 to 1 for me this week. Any, uh, any one catch your eye this week, Barry? <clears throat> no, it's, well, tricky enough. I might throw a small one on uh, Dodo Molinari. Mm, in the yeah. ball well, you know, had that um, disappointing finish to um, at the Belfry where Bland won. You know, he missed a few putts there. But that's that was a surprisingly good finish for him at a course that probably was a bit too, a bit beastie for him. Um, over at the uh, over the US Open, so yeah, fifty to one on him. So maybe. Um, other than that, yeah, I don't know. 
So it's it's just a tricky one. I might look at like the birdie leaders of uh, on the European Tour and um, hope just to grab one of those connected with a week to where they don't make that many bogeys. But it's yeah. um, it it seems like a little bit of a uh, blindfolded dart throwing exercise. Yeah, that's that's the European Tour, Barry. Uh, yeah, and I can, I can see Dodo. He was very close on my 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 list. Um, he was third here, I think, last time they played as well. So there's, there's some good course form, and uh, there's certainly been something percolating with his with his game in recent times. And was he 35th last week over at Torrey? That's that's mm. not a bad effort whatsoever, really. So so yeah, I wouldn't put anyone off backing a bit of Dodo this week. I know you've had your head stuck in the Travellers, Steve. Has anyone caught your eye on this at all? Couple of you know they played the European Open over in Germany a while ago. They did. Daniel Van Tonder was like the punt of the week, wasn't he? Yes, that's, that's I've backed him. That's one way to describe him. Yeah, <laughs> he's, that's just the kind of thing that happens, isn't it? Everyone's yeah, on in one week, and then he misses the cut, and then he's forgotten about. I just said hundred to one on that. Dan, who's been yeah, hot, isn't he, Van Tonder? Yeah. Uh, wasn't he second for strokes going tee to green at the PGA Championship at Kiowa? crazy yeah. number that was and, th- and that was why everyone was on him for the European Open uh, two weeks later yeah um, didn't do anything but um, he's the kind of streaky sort Van Ton I would have thought the bent grass greens would be something he likes uh, a bit of as well this week yeah so, I, yeah. He, he grabbed my attention at 100 to 1 relative to his um, world ranking his price is way out of kilter again one of the mm. One of the exercises I do is just to, to match the world ranking against uh, yeah. the price. And he's currently, I'm seeing... He's 70-something. Uh, yeah, and he, was, he ranks seventh in this field for, for his world yeah. ranking position. But 100 to 1, which is you know, way down the list in that respect. It's um, you, you, could, you could take a punt on him on the base that's, uh, basis that, uh, you know, the missed cut last time out, you could ignore it or the, in, in Germany and, uh, and see how he gets on. Certainly capable of winning, which is the uh, one of the, one of the key things to get uh, getting your armoury from the outset. And I, I agree. I agree, with Barry. I mean, Eduardo's been playing some great stuff. I mean, it was a good story about him and Francesco. Fra- mm. Francesco played nicely at um, Torrey Pines as well. Yeah, he's one that I had a um, good segue. Uh, he's one that I had my eye on for the Travellers Championship. Francesco, you think yeah. about it. Sh- short course. Tree lined, hold that thought, Stephen. Sub seven thousand yards. Hold that thought. Mm. Didn't he win that? Was he? Um, I'm trying to remember where he won. He, he came second at the John Deere Classic, didn't he? But he, he, he'd, um, I think he won at uh, that course outside of Washington. The one that was his PGA Tour second victory, Francesco. And then Is that's this... when he went. He went yeah. and won the Open. Didn't he go? He went win, second win in terms of the Open. Yeah, I'm not suggesting he does that now, but you get the feeling with somewhere like TPC River Highlands, he's the kind of guy that would go around there and dissect it, mm. Francesco. And as we're talking about Ryder Cup, you know he needs to show something, doesn't he, Francesco Molinari? There's absolutely no doubt about that. I think if he actually um, had a, a spur of top ten finishes and did well in the kind of got himself into the playoffs and whatever. He'd be one that um, would be putting his hand up for Padraig to actually pick him. It was yeah. the pick. Quicken Loans National, which gives yeah. Me- that was a tough course, but again, pretty, uh, it was tree lined. It was your typical Parkland American golf course, and you, you, his record at Wentworth's exemplary. 
<laughs> as usual on the PGA Tour, they turn a tough golf course, quote unquote, into a 21 under winning score. Mm. Just get the fire hoses out and just get those greens nice and receptive. I expect the Connecticut um, fire for grade uh, uh, in Hartford right now, getting those greens nice and soft. It has actually been raining in the area. They might not need to do a lot of work. Yeah, just a little top up. Um, Yeah, Travellers Championship. Always one of the best supported domestic PGA Tour events. Um, The players rave about the organisation. I mean, I read the other day uh, Paul Casey talking about, oh, even the caddies get valet parking. Yeah, that's the kind of thing that these players like. Um, and it, it comes across in the field. I mean, it's the week after a major. So logically, you know, it, it might not fit if the tournament wasn't up to scratch. But this week we've got Deshamba, We've got DJ defending. We've got Kepka, we've got Cantlay, we've got Casey, we've got Reed, we've got Scheffler, we've got Finau, we've got Harmon, Anser, Strillman, Wacky Neiman, Harris English, Matthew Wolf. Now, Wolf's an interesting character. I'm, I couldn't slot him in this week, Wolf, because he is so, so errant off the tee. I think around here, ideally, you need to be a little bit neater and tidier. But I think somewhere, if he plays next week over in Detroit, remember Detroit last year was that course that Bryson DeChambeau destroyed off the tee. I could see Wolf going somewhere, going. Wolf tends to play well on exactly the same courses that Bryson does because he's kind of mini Bryson, isn't he? Just hit it as far as you can. Don't worry about where the ball's going and then clear up the mess from there. Um, I could see Wolf, and he's almost going to be like an auto bet for me moving forward. I think that means he's going to win this week, so I'm not on him. But I could see Wolf being the kind of player you want to be following for the next few weeks, um, because clearly he's he's um, he seems to be in a better spot mentally. His performance at the U.S. Open was excellent, considering that he hadn't played golf for how many months? Yeah, competitive golf. So yeah, one to follow for me, Wolf. But this week, Travellers Championship, TPC River Highlands, you know, we know the course. It's a sub 7,000 yard par 70, only two par fives. It's a peat die design. Loads of statistics out there for you. Um, it ranked 32 of 41 courses in terms of its difficulty last year. Um, when there was some wind in 2019, that was the year Chesarevi won it after finishing third the week before at Pebble Beach. Um, it was di- more difficult. It was it, it actually ranked nineteenth uh, of forty nine courses because there was twenty twenty five mile wind around. So I don't think this year it's gonna this year it's gonna play as easy as it did last year because looking at the forecast, there's definitely wind going to be in the area. Um, I'll have a quick look at it while we're talking, but. Um, it looks to me as if we're going to be in a situation where there's uh, like 20, 25 mile an hour gusting winds moving forward uh, across Saturday and Sunday. So that's likely to make scoring a lot tougher. Uh, I don't know what that actually does in terms of f- trying to find the winner. I don't, I, I, I've got this down as a kind of mid score tournament this week. So I'm expecting the kind of 16, 17 under to win it. 
Might just put the brakes on over the weekend, mightn't it? Yeah, I don't think it's going to be... I think what you'll find is I'll get a load of abuse on uh, Thursday when someone shoots 10 under. Steve, you were saying this was going to be (laughs) difficult. What are you talking about? Um, I had that a few weeks ago at the Palmetto because you and I were waxing lyrically about it was going to be quite difficult or we hoped it would be, Barry. Yeah, and then and then they were they were firing pin. And I got some. Oh, Steve, what are you talking about? And in the end, I think they got to about seven under on the Thursday, and they only won about ten, ten, eleven under. Eleven, yeah, yeah. It, it wasn't. It was quite for the PGA Tour. That that turned out to be a tricky course because it was so you know because it was actually releasing. And I'm just looking here. Yeah, this it's still showing. It's going to be a sunny wind. Um, it's going to be gusting 20 on Saturday and gusting uh, up to 25 on Sunday. It isn't a cold wind or anything like that. I mean, we're looking 28, 30 degrees, but it's the kind of wind that causes indecision. You know, do, what club do you go for? And and also, of course, the luck of the draw in terms of gusts of wind as you're hitting the ball or as the ball's in flight. But that, to me, is going to... That's going to make it more of a challenge this week, I think, that wind. Um, so, yeah, expect, I think, 16, 17 under. Something like that's going to win. Uh, the greens themselves are 90% Poana with 10% bent grass. Um, I always think that the Poana this side is slightly less... It's not quite West Coast Poa when they come over on the east side. It's not quite as grainy, not quite as... Um, you know, they were talking last week about the fact that the, the seeds pop up and whatever during the day. I don't think it's they. It's not pure West Coast Poana, but you know, effectively, you, you do need a decent Poana putter. I mean, twenty uh, uh, ideal kind of Dustin Johnson clearly won here last year, and he's got eleven wins since two thousand eight on Poana or bent grass mix Poana greens. Not no real surprise. You've got Bubba. He's second in line. Six wins on Poana since two thousand and eight. He's won it three times. And actually, you start looking at these players: DJ, Bubba, Phil Mickelson. Five wins on Poana since two thousand and eight. What does it scream? You know, it screams Pebble Beach, doesn't it? It screams Torrey Pines uh, and Riviera Country Club. And um, correlating course form. You know, Riviera, definitely. Ches Reeve had a, a top seven finish at Riviera before he won here. Jordan Spieth is a winner here. He'd had a top four at Riviera. He'd won at Pebble Beach. Uh, Reeve had a runners-up at Pebble Beach at the AT&T and clearly he'd finished third at the US Open the week before winning this. So there's some definite correlation between Torrey, Pebble Beach, Riviera. I'd be... I'd be concerned if I was keen on players that didn't have any kind of top 10, top 5 action across three of those courses. Um, Kevin Streelman's another, isn't he? I mean, if you want a horse for a course, and Streelman, he, his, his results at Pebble Beach, it's just a top 10 tirade of finishes there. He's had a runners-up there, 6th, 7th, and ninth. Go back to Ken Duke. I mean, Ken Duke's way out there, but he's, he had a top seven at Pebble before he won here. So definitely links to that West Coast Poana. Um, that kind of puts me off someone like an Abraham Answer, a non-winner on the PGA Tour. Um, I, I'm not seeing form on Pebble Beach. Um, I, I, 
missed the cut last week on Torrey Pines. He's logical because he's such a Pete Dye specialist. Um, I don't know. You know, you've got to you've got to look for red flags, haven't you? And an answer for me is always going to be in this kind of vacuum of not winning, but being a, a kind of winner's price point. It's, a, it's the Tony Fino price point, 28 to 1. 25, 28 to 1. Oh, Ansa's just so frustrating, Barry, isn't he? Whenever I've backed him, he's been an absolute bag of bolts, absolutely terrible. And and then he's sitting there in like 50th place, or he did the same at the PGA a few weeks ago at Keir Island. He's sitting there in like 49th place. And then final round, shoots a 63 or something. And guess what? You look on, oh, he's got a top 10 in a major, Abraham Ansa. It's like, well... He was probably like the, in the third group of the morning to go out on that course. And he just fires in these low rounds. He's an absolute... Um, he collects a, a world golf ranking points like he's going out of fa- fashion, isn't he, answer? But when was the last time... I suppose he played well at Quail Hollow, didn't he, when he was kind of head-to-head-ish with Rory. That was quite an impressive display, but I don't know. You are talking to someone though that's back Paul Casey at sixteen to one. So I, I when it when it comes to value, I'm probably not the best to talk about it. I did turn down Kevin Streelman this week though, on that basis. The one I have actually lumped for. You know, this is kind of Daniel Van T- Van Tonda territory. This is kind of Garrick Hicko territory. And I've told myself I, to find more winners. I've got to do different things. I've got to change the way change things, what I'm doing, how I'm doing it, just look at things slightly differently and try and work things through that way. Um, I keep racking up these each-way places, but no winners. So I just thought, I looked at that field and the first prices came out and I just thought, I can't believe I can get triple digits about a bloke that's just finished in the top five of a major. And it was Guido. He's got a lot to play for, Guido, hasn't he? Absolutely, yeah. yeah exactly. He's up to the highest ever world ranking, yeah. coming off a first ever major where he finished in the top five. You know, if this was a Mer- you know, Matthew Wolf and all this, there would there'd be like, everything would be on social media, it'd all be heralding. Well, Guido's done exactly the same there. No one gave him a chance at Torrey Pines and the guys played some outstanding golf. And I suppose his reward is, he's, he, I would assume that he would have been going back to the BMW, but... He's got another week now over on the PGA Tour. Yep. Yeah, I did I mean, see him in the early list, but um, he, he may well have been in the very early list. But yes, he, he got in on virtue of his. Uh, I mean, he could all, ten, he could almost get the points needed for a special temporary exemption if he bangs in like a top six or seven this week because yeah. the money he would and points he would have got last week. Um, I'll be interested to see where he sits in the, the in in terms of that and. He was great coming down the stretch. The fist pumps, everything. You know, you just you want to see more of him. He's got that like intensity that you just you want to watch him. It's it's a Paul, serious mismatch, isn't it? The price. Paul watches the European Tour week in week out, has done for years, clearly. And he's always said to me, you know, players like Matt Wallace, where you've got players that have won on say the Alps Tour on a junior tour, but they know how to win. It doesn't matter the level. Winning, winning, winning at golf is difficult. You know, just ask Abraham Answer for example. But um, he's he. I think he's won five professional titles already, Guido. And it's where he's won that really interested me. 
Um, his first win was down in Kenya, 2019, which again is a short past 71, I think. Bent grass greens, tree-lined, scorable. And then he backed that up a few months later in 2019 with a win at the Belgian knockout, which was that kind of crazy European tour, let's try something different kind of concept. But again, you just look at the course. Tight, forest, forested, tree-lined. I just think that this course might appeal to him. And like you say, Barry, that special temporary membership carrot for someone that's in a great world ranking spot, I think he's top 70, or he's at 74, something like that. Uh, for someone that's on the fringes of a rider in the Ryder Cup battle, there's a lot of good stuff to play for this week for Guido. I mean, he, he's I probably a hundred to one. Just seemed, yeah. seemed a price that's way out of kilter with the way that the guy's been playing. I mean, I'm, in my eight week trackers, I've got Guido in fifth spot in this field for strokes gained total after, over the last eight weeks. He's also in the top four tied with Brooks Kepka for strokes gained tee to green in the last eight weeks. He's only been beaten by Patrick Cantley and Paul Casey and David Lipsky for some reason. He has a perfect template from only a couple of weeks ago in um, Gary Kiko. Yeah. He's you know just looking at that going, well, I've played against that lad, I can beat him. I went out and played well in my first major. Let's, I mean, this week should be easier. A few of these boys will just be phoning it in after the week of the major, so... Let's go get it. Yeah. I, think- I don't know if he's got any kind of relationship with Francesco, but I expect Francesco's get putting his arm around him so that he's got some company there, maybe yeah. taking him on the practice rounds and whatever. Mm. And some of the other European tour guys. So, yeah, I, I, I think uh, hopefully he goes well. I think I just thought 100 yeah. to 1 is a silly... Is, is it, that's, a, that's a price that's clearly, as you do, Paul, you, you're checking your, your, your world golf ranking against the price. That's way out of kilter. Way yeah. out of kilter. I think your your point on the correlating courses um, is spot on because I've put him up um, for European Tour events um, relatively recently where I've seen a uh, sub-7,000 yard tree-lined bent grass, bent power, that kind of, that kind of um, track. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. Simply because that's that's where his previous best performances have pointed him to. And uh, if you're looking for the closest correlation um, on the PGA Tour, then then you're staring at it this week. I can see exactly where you're coming from with it. So, wouldn't surprise me at all to see him go well, particularly with his current form. He's been been very very strong. So, we've seen this in the past on on especially Team Europe, where players that you weren't expecting to get into a team have just had such unbelievable form over a quite a short space of time. I mean, I remember Victor de Bruyson the year he got, and you know, the results that guy was just churning out. And you're going, this, who is this Victor de Bruyson? And I didn't really know too much about him. It was just like banging in result after it. And in the end, he just had to be put in the team. I'm not saying that's Guido, but that is a template that Guido could potentially, someone with that hot hand. I remember Ryan Moore. Was it Ryan Moore one year? Kind of didn't get into the Ryder Cup team for America, but... Yeah. He was in the playoffs, and didn't he kind of finish fifth, third, second, and he was just knocking on the... And in the end, they didn't have a space for him? That was know, because they made the picks too soon, and they ended up changing yeah. the rules or the, the, the timing of their picks to leave one after the event, purely because he did that. Um, I mean, just just from, like, if you're looking at 
uh, Perez versus Guido. I'd much rather Guido's intensity in, ter- in a Ryder Cup setting than Perez. He just seems a bit passive. I know that's not. I mean, that's just on the face of it. I just like seeing that kind of um, visible intensity on a player for the Ryder Cup, and he's just going to be more exciting, you know, uh, to watch for me. And when you when you've got a top five finish in your first ever major, doesn't that tell you everything you need to know about a, a player's mental approach? They clearly yeah. they're comfortable in their own skin and their own ability, aren't they? Just they're just playing golf at a very high level. So yeah, I. I I mean, we're talking 100 to 1 chances. So, yeah, I went for Guido on that basis. Are there any... I know that there was a very late entry to the field yesterday, Barry, and I'm yeah. sure that you're over him with an absolute... all over him this morning. Well, um, I mean, look, it's going to be it's going to be devastating for Guido to finish second to uh, to Seamus. What <laughs> price have you got on Seamus? I'm, I'm, I'm waiting. I'm trying to catch the the price and... Like I know I'm convinced he's going to win, but just in case I might be wrong, <laughs> uh, I'm waiting for a price and places combo. I saw him on three six five at one hundred and twenty five to one last night, um, and I'm pretty sure they're only. I didn't even actually check. I was just assumed they were five places. So I'm just waiting for a little. Uh, just in to pop another um, bookies. Yeah, I can't find him. He is yeah, he's one twenty five to one on three six five. He's not even showing an odds checker yet, so. No, okay. I mean, talk <clears throat> talk about something. He's a, he's, a, he's another off. one for he's another one for next week. Pure birdie fest in Detroit. I think Powell played has played there before. He's a he's he's a decent shout for that. I said to you a week few weeks ago, didn't I? Seamus Powell's one you need to really. I know that you you've been a, clearly a supporter of him for a long time, but. At a birdie fest, he 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 he, he should be yeah. He's twelfth at the Rocket Mortgage last year, and I know for a fact that he was in a far better place than twelfth come the start of the final round. So yeah, he's he's one to keep an eye on. Power playing some well, great look, stuff, isn't he? Let, let's have a let's have a um, a miscut to keep his price inflated for next week, or a win this week at triple digits, whichever happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, Average winning right price of this recently, past seven renewals, has been 50 to 1. If you go back to 2010, it's also 65 to 1. So um, you can get some uh, some nice, juicy mid-price winners of this Travellers Championship, which kind of opens the door. Have you gone for a triple-digit pool or in terms of a price? No, um, I've gone for two, but they're 66 and 80. So, um... oh, okay. We can well, it's, the, it's the sixty-six to one Ricky Fowler. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So we're all on Ricky this week, yeah. We're all oh, on Ricky. He's doomed. What, what could possibly go wrong? Why do you guys do this to my favourite players? Like you always just piggyback on and then just oh. torpedo them. But how, Barry, how, that's, uh, that, the that news, news last night that, is, um, <laughs> that, that, that his uh, that his missus is expecting was. Uh, the absolute uh, the catalyst to go and uh, to get some do you, money do you, on. Do you think the baby news is more powerful than the GBS curse? <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> he's playing. He's playing. He's been playing some interesting and kind of attention raising golf for me for the last few weeks. Mm. It's just been building, and and I'm not going to put him in the same category as Spieth, but. You you could see the way Speed's game was building and adding little blocks and bricks week on week on week, and it seems that Ricky's sort of following that kind of trajectory. There's just 
more and more little things to to latch on to each week and it's it's building if it builds to a win i mean that's just phenomenal but it's it's good to see that he's not just like floundering away like he has been for the last while so yeah. well, uh, bear in mind he'll have sat on this baby news for what eight weeks probably 10 weeks something easy. like that yeah yeah so she's due in november They've announced it after the, what the three month or the, the, um, the first yeah. scan or whichever you know, however the the process works over in the US. Um, and you know, perhaps in the background, it, it's just it's just boosted his confidence, boosted his um, morale, and uh, we've started to see those signs. And I mean, Steve's backed it up with um, with some of the stats and the uh, the finishes recently, which um, puts a, puts a lot more meat on the bones. But um, you know, there's that intangible. Aspect, aspects which um, which may well be be boosting him too. I think the first time he showed wasn't it seventeenth at the Valero Texas Open, which was the week before the Masters. He was twenty second that week for strokes going tee to green. Like you said, Barry, he'd just been floundering up until that point. For that was kind of the first sort of brick in the wall. Um, eighth at the PGA Championship. That was his first top ten finish since the twenty twenty Tournament of Champions in January. It was also his first major top 10 since the 2019 Open. Now, if that's not going to boost your confidence, I don't know what is. Strokes game-wise, he was 17th for approach. And, you know, we all know with Ricky, he's one of the most natural putters on the planet. And it, his putting had been absolutely dog-awful for ages. He was 13th for putting at the PGA. That that finish would have been so much better, as we know. He Didn't he bogey the last? Yeah. The one that they showed 25 minutes after it actually happened. <laughs> exactly. Oh, man. <laughs> you couldn't credit it, could you? Um, and then last time out at Muirfield Village, 11th was his best finish at Jack's place since 2018. And he was 22nd for tee to green and 9th for strokes game putting again. So undoubted improvement. He's actually hitting a lot of fairways, which helps. So he seems to have straightened the driver. And we know that he's a Pete Dye design winner. He won, the, he won at Sawgrass in 2015. I just thought, I was expecting something a lot shorter on Fowler. So the C60's out there. And then, then I went to Ladbrokes and 66 to 1. That's just a no-brainer, really, isn't it? Guy that's played well on the West Coast. West Coast, clearly California background. The other thing I like around here are players that have played well at somewhere like a Beth Page Black or a Glen Oaks where they've played the Barclays, even a Liberty National or Ridgewood. Somewhere in this kind of... Because don't forget, we're only two hours out of Manhattan here. Someone that's played well in this kind of Big Apple metropolitan area. And Fowler's got some decent finishes around here. So it kind of fits. I think he's had he don't, he's never really added this to the schedule because clearly he's usually coming off the back of the US Open, so he's added it to the Travellers. And his last two times he's come, he's finished thirteenth. No. If there's a player in the field that wants to keep some momentum going, has got some good vibes. I think Ricky Fowler's got to be near the top of that list. So yeah, he he was kind of straight in for me, Fowler. So I've got Fowler and Guido. And then I've gone for two real core specialists. They couldn't really, they couldn't really slash the odds on Russell Henley that much because I, I dread to think what kind of price he was. He must have been three hundred to one or something for the U.S. Open because he hasn't really shown a lot of form. 
But you just look at, you know, we're talking here, Russell Henley. You're getting a 55 to 1 chance this week on Russell Henley. With I, I, I got eight places each way with Bet Fred on Russell Henley. And he's just an absolute Travellers Championship specialist when you look at how well he's played here. Four appearances. On his first, he was uh, on his tournament debut. He was first after 36 holes and second after 54 holes in 2016. He eventually finished 11th. 2018 was his next visit and Russell was second after both 36 and 54 holes, going out in the final Sunday pairing with Paul Casey. A Sunday 69 brought home a sixth place finish as Bubba delivered. That was the year we were on him at 33 to 1. Miscut in 2019 when he was playing garbage. And then last year in a a Travellers Championship that was like a major because it was the third post-COVID event, he finished 32nd. But even then, showed signs, you know, because he shot a 65 in round one, which was in the top 10 best scores of the day, and a 64 on Sunday, which again was in the top 10. So Henley, and he's he's ranked 10th, 7th and 2nd for strokes going tee to green here in three of his four outings, and 13th, 8th, and 2nd for approach. This was a guy that was leading, what, the US Open for what, 54 holes? 60-odd mm. holes last year, and we're getting at 55 to 1. Yeah. He's just outside the world's top 50, so he's still got plenty to play for, 56th in the official world golf rankings. And I do think, I, I read one of the Open Championship, because it's such a crazy way that... The, because it's a hybrid, isn't it? It's almost like the Masters in 2019 when they, they kept yeah. the field. Sorry, in 2020, and they kept the field. It, a lot of the players were basically 2019 qualifiers for the 2020 yeah. Masters. Yeah. They've you've kind of done an invite for, for months or for, for a year and a half, haven't you? They're kind of doing the same for the Open. But there is, and it closes this week, there is a spot for non-exempt players within the top 20 in the FedEx Cup as of Sunday. And Henley's sitting at about 30, 32nd in that. So if he was to get potentially a second or definitely a win, he'd get himself into the Open Championship. From what I'm seeing, that's the only way if you're on the PJ Tour that you can actually qualify now. They're going to have some local qualifiers over him, that's about it. So, yeah, there's plenty to play for for Henley. He's an absolute true course specialist, I think, Russell Henley. So I took 55 to 1. I thought that was a decent prize. There's so many in this area, isn't there, you could back. I know clearly you're going you're gonna to talk about another pool. Um, while Aaron Wise is playing some good golf, Max Homer... Dot Redmond was 11th here last year. I think he was second for strokes going tee to green. But whether you can trust Dot Redmond to go well two weeks on the chart after finishing second at Palmetto, that's what put me on. Grio Leishman, Nars, a short course specialist. There's a lot of players in this kind of, this 70 to 1 area, 66s and 50s, which, as we've already said, is a hot spot for winners that you could actually build a case around. Yeah, yeah. Ian Poulter's another one in that kind of bracket. You could uh, you could argue he's been he's been some showing some form, and I think he'll he'll want to be um, improving his results ahead of the the Ryder Cup, so that he doesn't have to rely on a pick. He can work his way into the team um, on his own own accord. Yeah, Poulter. Bub, Bub, we, we all know that Bubba's going to go off at about twenty five to one once he's been slaughtered in from fifty to one with some books, but. I, 
I know, but uh, there were there were some green shoots. I mean, it was very rare to see Bubba in like fifth space place at a U.S. Open at halfway. But when I just watch Bubba, or he just he seems to be a nervous wreck. I mean, it, I mean, that, we're talking about Bubba Watson here. But when he gets into contention, it's just it's kind of painful to watch. So uh, you know me, I, I tend to back Bubba here, auto bet, but. I'm not so sure this time around. I didn't back him. Do you want to talk about Francesco, Paul? Yeah, it was the only other one that I've backed, um, 80 to 1. I thought, um, I, I think there's something been percolating for a while with Molinari. Um, 13th last week was impressive. It was his putter, really, putting in short game, which got him into that position. Um, but he'd been off the boil for quite a prolonged period, right until the start of this season, I guess, where he got, what was he, 8th at the Amex, 10th um, at Torrey, and then 8th at the Genesis. So three decent top 10 finishes. Um, but yeah, I, I think there's an overall improvement with his game. If, if his uh, short game's going well, and we know when he's on form, we can tie that into a really strong long game performance, then uh, then he starts to get more, far more competitive. Actually, his, his long game, from a strokes game perspective, wasn't bad at all last week. 21st for strokes gain tee to green, 35th for strokes gain approach, which is actually quite a bit better than he's been doing um, of late. So, so yeah, some, some good signs. Eighth here um, in 2015 at the halfway point, um, 11th into Sunday the year after, 2016. So even though his headline results here don't really jump off the page, I think there's some underlying form that's a little bit better than it would suggest. And yeah, I ate it to one. I was, I was quite happy to take that on. It was it was either him or Poulter, and um, I've gone down the Molinari route, but um, I've still got this kneeling doubt. I might might still have to have a little bit of Poulter just to uh, satisfy my curiosity this week. If you look at this test from a strokes game perspective, it's um, last five winners, Knox through DJ. I mean, Russell Knox is another one. Strokes gained off the tee, 26th. Strokes gained on approach, 7th. Strokes gained around the green, 21st. Tee to green, 3rd. Strokes gained putting, 17th. It's all about the approach shots. And we said off air, you know, there's there's six par fours here between just, you know, snidge under 400 yards through to 450. You know, banging it. You get it out there 300 yards, you've got a wedge. Longest club, nine irons into all of these holes. Yeah, par, par four scoring, yeah. Keep it and that to me, that, you know, a decent iron player. That that to me is a Russell Henley. It's a Francesco Molinari. It's these kind of players. Mm. Or Bubba Watson, who clearly dominates here. But I, I just think it's a big jump to expect Bubba Watson to be in the kind of form he's been in to then just turn up here and win. He hasn't won for quite a period of time. Anyway, we're on the Ricky Fowler boat in terms of that, but. That I had an email. I had an email over the weekend again from a guy that said, "Oh, you know, I've been using the tools that you've got a golf betting system." He said, "And some of the stats you put up there in terms of your eight-week rolling, your predictor models." He says, "You know, they're just fantastic." I think he was the guy that we read out last week. He he had Ram again this week, so he's had like four winners in the last six weeks mm. using golf Impressive. betting system. And he said to me, you, know, keep, you, you need to just look at your stats a bit more. And just, you know, he said, I use your strokes gain total a hell of a lot just to, they're the kind of players I'm going for. And if you look at my strokes gain total number, 
staring you in the face right now is Paul Casey, number two in my ranking. He's number one for strokes gain tee to green. He's also number one for strokes gain on approach on a golf course that's all about strokes gained approach. He's ranked number four for strokes gain tee to green. He's second in the predictor model. And when you look at what he's done here, he's finished second, 17th, fifth, second, and fifth. Last year, he was 32nd. That was his first event post-COVID resumption. So he came here cold. Family man, I expect he was concerned about COVID and whatever. So, you know, take that away. Fifth, second, fifth, 17th, and second in his five appearances at the Travellers' Championship. And T to Green ranks of first, 21st, 4th, ninth, and 7th. So I just thought, do you know what? The price is great, but I'm taking it. So I've gone Paul Casey 16 to 1. So Steve. I've got Casey, Henley, Ricky, and Guido. Those are my four for the Travellers' Championship. You're not going to make me do this, Steve, are you? <clears throat> do you know what? Sometimes maybe it's kind of it's a good point. Like we, we can get so kind of deeply... Uh, bogged down in the stats you, you almost like to try to outsmart yourself or outthink yeah. yourself um yeah. which is you know and, and there's probably one example from the three of us or two examples from the three of us every week i did it last week at ram i was like oh what if the covid's affecting him or what if this or what if that well yeah i the agree with that and also short. and like even I, though i had him lined up i was like oh the price is too short like the price yeah, is not is too short if he wins you can price. become price you can become odd snobs oh it's yeah. crap value <laughs> Crap value. I mean, John Rahm, that crap value. Um, I saw there was a great conversation on Twitter yesterday. Someone trying to work through, there was a lot of us trying to work through who had been the shortest price first time major winner. Mm. And it came out that Tiger Woods, I believe, was quoted as 16 to 1 when he won his first major. And there was no first time major winner as short as John Rahm at 10 to 1 was his best price for last week. But this is it. My wife said to me the other day, she said, well, I don't understand it. If they win, what's, what, what does it matter what the price is as long as they win? And that's the point. So, yeah, yeah if I'm looking at Deshambo at 12s, DJ at 12s, Brooks Kepka at 16s, Patrick Cantley at 16s, Paul Casey does not fit at 16 to 1. He shouldn't be the same price as those four guys. That's fact. You know, you can't argue with that. He shouldn't really be shorter than Patrick Reed. But when you just look at how well he plays this golf course, the motivation to play well this week, do we think that DJ's playing great golf at the moment? Well, I don't. So 12 to 1, no. DeChambeau could... It'd be interesting with DeChambeau. You just look at what he's done in his golfing career. He barely ever goes backwards on a Sunday. So I'll be interested to see what he does after going backwards at the US Open, how he mentally rebounds to that. Kepka, well, he, he doesn't seem to do anything apart from majors and WGCs in the main. And Patrick Cantley's just won at Memorial. So there's, there's, I, I could throw, you know, negatives at all four of those big names. Casey, I just can't because he's just playing the best, some of the best golf of his career. And he said so often he would really love to win the Travelers Championship. It's his favourite course in America. Go and, go and do it, Paul. Go and win it. 16 to 1. You can tell the bookmakers don't want any of, any of your cash on him. They, they, they priced him so prohibitively. They don't want your money. Always a good sign. <laughs> they did you the make a, John a very time. compelling case, Steve, but he lets I you know. down. He lets you and down. And he'll miss the cut. He'll miss the cut, I know. No, he won't. He'll go, he'll go deep in the tournament and then he'll make a bogey on 15 or a double or something like that. And he'll just like, like tear it. <laughs> 
It's like stick the knife in and just twist it around a few times before he. He'll blame. He'll blame Johnny Longsocks, and we all move forward. Johnny, why did you give me that club? <laughs> he, he he's playing ridiculously good golf, but I, I don't know. Like I got I got a text from um, text from my mate on Sunday. He's like, "Oh, here comes Casey," and I was like, "No, he'll melt." And then he goes, "What bogey, double bogey, bang bang, gone out of it." But this is the Travelers Championship, not the US Open. But yeah, I know what you're saying. He does find a way of saying that. I mean, if you, I can't believe I'm defending Paul Casey. Things have just gone complete full circuit, haven't it? I mean, I said he wouldn't finish in the top 10 last week because he never finishes top 10 in consecutive majors. So I got that one wrong as well. But, you know, first in Dubai this year, um, he finished, he won the European Open in 2019. He won the Vouse Bar in 2019. Yeah, he does. He does pop up, and when he wins, I know that those two wins at the Valspar were both at Shoreheads, 25 to 1, both of them. I'm sure yeah. at the European Open, what would he have been, 14 to 1, 16 to 1? He was either favourite or second favourite, he's probably even short on that. You're not going to get a Paul Casey win at 66 to 1, it's just not going to happen. So, yeah, sometimes you just have to say he's playing great golf, just back him, so that's what I've done. It's interesting we've become like the. Not price snobs, but price hunters. And if, like, say, for example, in a hypothetical world, there's one bookmaker only. So whatever the price is, you just go, well, I fancy that guy, so I'm just going to take it this week. But because you start seeing a little, you know, we start seeing the offer, you know, different prices, you just get too focused on it. Look, the thing is, Steve, I'm just, I'm laughing at the fact that you put him on the X list, what was it, one or two weeks ago, and he's just immediately forgiven. <laughs> no, I put him on the X list for majors, but that's that's completely backfired as well, because he's got... He's oh, got sorry, players, I, I didn't read anyway. I didn't read the terms and conditions of your X list. I'm, as of next week, he'll, be, he'll just be on the bad list full stop, and then he'll probably go and win the Open or something, but yes. I, I, I genuinely think that Casey's probably what twenty two, twenty five to one in his right. Is it probably his right price? But with that, with that form, don't know. I, I can see why they've lumped him at sixteen to one because they don't want to take a penny on him. I know for a fact because it's on Pat Mayo show. They put him up at eighteen to one on DraftKings Sportsbook over in America. I expect over in America you might be able to get a bit of twenty to one about him. Which is probably his genuine price, but over here they've said Paul Casey, Englishman, Travelers Championship will bung him in with the best of the big names, and no one will back him. And that's what's going to happen. They'll all back Patrick Cantlay or Bryson or Brooks. They no one will probably back Casey because oh god, he's a crap price this week. That Paul Casey because he's probably a better chance than those other guys to get the each way places because they know those guys will either go win or don't care and they're gone. Yeah. So, whereas Casey will have that stickability for the places, much like the we discussed last week on Xander's price, they just didn't yeah. want to take money on him because he just gets the places, and he did. Yeah. Yeah. But but it's so can, you, can you imagine how Nagel's Bagels is feeling this week after John Ralph wins a major and he was he was over there in Torrey Pines. Good God! Well, I thought Nagel's. Uh, uh, Regards to Nagel's, a regular listener, that must have been a tough one for Nagel's Bagels. John Rahm winning his first major at uh, Torrey Pines, where he was over there watching, and his mate Xander coming close again, but not getting the uh, not getting the win. Why did Xander switch to an arm lock putter? Uh, like unbelievable. He he, I think he caught like his putting last week was um, not good. Let me just pull it up here. But just 
seeing a lot of people on Twitter saying that he really shot himself in the foot. Although, in round four, he put it okay. Overall for the tournament, though, he's minus 0.38 strokes gain putting. So that 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 hurts you, you know, and, and just gives gives you you know keeps it a couple of shots away from. Yeah, just forever tinkering these professionals, aren't they? Yeah, trying to find that uh, final part of the jigsaw. You can't. He was, th- the, he was can't. third. He was third from tee to green last week, Xander. Yeah. First off the tee. Third. You, and he was you can't not fit. to. You can't not to tinkering. Lost, lost one and a half strokes per round with putting. Wow. Is that us, or is there is there someone that you've missed, or something you haven't had a chance to say that you you're backing them? No, I'm I'm, I'm done. You're done. You're, you're done, Baron. Just waiting for the power price to come up. Mm. Yeah, is that your only bet then, him and and Ricky? Him and Ricky, yeah. Mm. I think so. Well, put it this way: I'm not backing Casey, Steve. You can have him <laughs> all to yourself. <laughs> Thank you. I think I'll be the only man in the world backing him this week, but with that price. Yeah, I'm going to be backing Leona Maguire again um, this week for the, the LPGA. I had her I had her back last week, and unfortunately she ran into a steam train that was um, Nelly Corda on the, over the weekend. So just finished um, a couple off that. But so she's playing well. Um, so I'll catch her again this week. Hopefully she, hopefully she can get her win. What's your tournament next week, Paul? On the European tour? It's the Irish Open next week over okay. at Mount Juliet. So uh, yep. I, I believe you're playing that after the professionals have... Uh, <laughs> yeah, not, not, not playing in the tournament. No, no okay. not playing in the tournament. No, <laughs> playing, no. It, um, play, playing, play, playing the track afterwards. In, um, yeah, the 13th of July. So yeah, not just a, a little bit afterwards. They're having It's their 30th anniversary of, the, of Mount Juliet. So you'll be able to go digging back into some old WGCs, Paul, to, to have a look at the course mm. and... Who played well? So um, yeah, they've, uh, they've they've put a bit of work into the place, and I'm looking forward to getting down to play it again. It's a, it's a brilliant, brilliant Parkland course. Really great, uh, really great location. Just lovely. Lots of trees yeah. there, Paul. Yeah, yeah. I'm very much looking forward to that. And it's got, got a lovely stretch, haven't we? We got uh, got that. We got the, the Scottish Open, then straight into the Open Championships. So yeah. yes, nice little stretch on the European Tour coming up. Thank God for Ryder Cup this year, right? Because the majors just like they come and they go. It's just like bang, 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 bang. 14 weeks, I think it is, yeah. The Rocket Mortgage Classic on the PGA Tour next week. So those are the two events we will be covering. Thank you for your time, gentlemen. Yeah, best of luck, guys. Hope your bets go well. Cheers, Steve. Cheers, Paul. Um, Good luck, everybody, with the bets. Yeah, and good luck to all the listeners. We will be back next week for the next episode, which will be the Irish Open and the Rocket Mortgage Classic. Goodbye. If you like betting on golf, but everyone that you back misses the cut, get some experts involved with all the stats and the tips and so much more. Cause it's the golf betting system The golf betting system is the golf